You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, I got my two assistant coaches on the pod. I got Coach Eric and Coach Robert. And basically, what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a nice debrief of our season. We're going to talk about our, our biggest takeaways. We're going to talk about some of the things we learned as coaches, um, some of the things that we wish we can go back and do, what we're going to do next year, how we're going to change certain elements of our program, uh, some of the mistakes we made this year as well. So it's a really it's a cool episode just to listen, listen to the conversation. And there's definitely takeaways. There's definitely takeaways that I think that will benefit coaches that are listening to this. So, um, you know, listen, see what you can take that you can apply to your team, see how you can listen to our reflection and say, hey, you know what, maybe this is something that um, I'm facing with my team too. And that way we, we can, you can kind of relate and, uh, and maybe take some of the strategies that we're going to do next year. All right. So this is a great episode. It's one you don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 192 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? For my new listeners, welcome to the podcast. My name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And to my regular listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode where the goal, just like every week, is to deliver tangible step-by-step strategies so you can take your team to the next level. And that's exactly what I think we're going to do today. Um, if you haven't got a chance to listen to last week's episode, um, I really recommend you listening to it. I had um, We had a 32-year vet on the pod, and he talked about blocking, uh, and he went, he went into the really, really technical aspects of it. And he, he, even I learned a, a couple of new things, too. So it, definitely listen to that episode. You're going to want to take some notes because that was a really good one. And then today... Um, I have the pleasure of inviting on two of the greatest volleyball minds in the province, for that matter. And these coaches have been with me for quite a long time, probably you know just over 10 years, if not longer than that. I haven't actually done the math on that yet. But these guys have been with me and the program that we've run and we've built and, and it's seen a lot of success. So I'm super excited to invite these guys on the pod to share some takeaways that we've we've learned this season and some things that... We're gonna do next season and just, and just some good volleyball conversation. So if you um if you have a pen and paper out or you have your phone out, you're definitely gonna to want to take notes because this is gonna be it's gonna be a lot of takeaways from this one. So I'm really excited to welcome back to the pod for the second time, Coach Eric and Robert. What's up, guys? What's going on? Thanks for having us, uh, Coach B. Pleasure to be on here. No problem. What's going on? It's, it's always funny. <laughs> I know it was funny last time too. <laughs> It's yeah, weird. Nice We're to always be here. Talking. Nice to be here. Yeah, it's, it's funny doing this with like recording the conversation now. So we got I we got we'll we'll keep it as PG as we can for our listeners because I think this is a I think this is like a a PG rated show. Like I, they actually oh. have a rating on the show. Like we can't. So we'll try to we'll try to keep it PG. So we can't what? We can't cuss. Like we can't really swear. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Okay. I have to go into my settings and change the things if we swear and stuff like that because then it gets rated as a different show. All right, no cussing. Got it. Yeah, it's weird. I know it's weird to have this conversation without swearing, but anyways, that's okay. Yeah, that's so okay. I, I did premise with my listeners before that I w- we were going to do this, and I, I want this to start being an annual thing. Like I want to get you guys on at least once a year to talk volleyball sure. because there's a ton of conversations that we have that are amazing that I think that uh, listeners will, um, you know, w- would love to hear and just get some insight. So let's start by opening the floor with this one. Um, 
you know, how, what, what are your thoughts? Um, what were your thoughts on our season? You know, what are, what are some takeaways that, that you guys could share with our listeners about our season? And then I'll, I'll kind of share mine and what we learned. Sure. Uh, well, first off, we went into the season thinking we were going to be better than how it ended. And so coming out of the season and looking back on it, pretty disappointing, I must say. A lot of games we should have won that we didn't, ruined our record, bad seeding going into the playoffs, and then there goes our story. Our, our, our season's over. So, I mean, I, what there was a bunch of takeaways from the season. We learned a lot, so we don't make those same mistakes to set us up for better, more success in the future. So can't wait to share those kind of takeaways. But, I mean, yeah, pretty disappointing season. Um, I guess we're, I'm hungry for next season to really crack that top three in the East at least. Go ahead, Robert. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same page there with Eric. You know, coming into the season, we, we were excited. Uh, not to say that we weren't excited throughout the season, but especially coming into the season, like we have the talent to, you know, compete at a high level or, or at the very least, hopefully finish at a top spot in the East. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we lost quite a few five-set games. <laughs> so, uh, that's something that I guess we'll talk about a little bit later on in the pod, but um, overall a little disappointed in how we ended up finishing because based off of the talent that we have on the team and, you know, the, the personnel that's there, I think we should have been a little bit, we should have finished a bit better, but it is what it is. Part of sports doesn't always come out the way that you want it to. Um, but there's definitely a lot of things that we've learned, or at least I've learned from this season that I'm hoping that we can bring forward uh, to the next season because next season, I think I'm really excited for next season. Next season, I think, is going to be – I know we said this before, but next season is going to be a good season. Yeah, it better be. That's for sure. So for for our listeners, we had – so we have an 18-game regular season. That's the amount of games we play in our league. And out of 18 games, seven of them, we went to five sets, and we only won one out of those seven five-setters. So – the, this the, this um these losses the way that i summed it up is experience because we we had a rookie a lot of inexperience on the floor and we couldn't close and this is something that i had listeners ask me all the time is how do you close how do you close how do you close and i've given a ton of strategies on how to win fifth sets or third sets and things like that but at the end of the day you know experience your the, the player's experience is is what is going to get you over that hump if they've never been in situations like this before it's going to be tough to come out of them on top. Like talent can only take you so far. So experience is a big part of that. So let's dive into let's dive into what we learned then. So go ahead. Um, I know Robert, you 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 said you learned a lot of things. Let's talk about what we learned. Or what well, learned. one thing for, one thing we definitely learned is, um, I feel like we implemented this a little bit later on in the season, but to close, <laughs> yeah. we have to do or simulate drills in practice where the pressure is on. I know it's not going to be exactly the same, but when you can emulate that a little bit in practice, when you get to those tougher situations, those close sets, those five sets, now where you, every point matters even more, to replicate that in practice to the best of the ability, I feel like that translates a bit better um, for when you actually get into those fifth set situations. So really emphasizing or at least having maybe one wash drill uh, every week, or in the scrimmage where you implement the different um, parameters where players have to hit, that is very beneficial when it comes to um, closing out sets and especially that fifth set. I feel like that's something that 
we implemented a little bit later. Um, but I do think it was helping us a bit. What were the like? Talk about some of those parameters. So one drill that we had, for example, is that um, it was what 1818. Oh, and 18. yeah, we talked 18, about 1818, right? Yeah. So once you get 23, you have to win two straight, or you have to have two straight points, meaning that you have to definitively close out the set. Can't be going back and forth. And if you don't hit that, uh, if you don't close out 23, 23, you go back to 18. So it really emphasizes the importance of closing out a set, especially those final two points. So that is one uh, drill that we used. I think that is, but we can play around with that a bit going forward. But I think that's a really good drill to help, um, you know, work on our ability to close, um, close out games. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you learned? So you got, so we got the closing out part. Yeah. What else? If there is any. Um, well, the things that like we, I felt like it would just reinforce even more is how important culture is for uh, success in a program. <clears throat> it could take, all it takes is one player or one, uh, one effect of bad body language or, you know, not having your teammates back and it trickles out and affects the rest of the team. So culture is crucial for, you know, success in whatever program that you are trying to develop. You need yeah. to make sure that you stick to your values and stick to your guns. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how talented these players are. If they're if their their culture or their their mindset or you know their mannerisms, their values don't align, it will not uh, lead to team success. So that's one thing that's really important. Make sure that yeah, when you're vetting out during your um, uh, your your tryouts and throughout the season, emphasizing what our values are. Um, I feel like that's crucial. That's that's one big thing. Um, and how important you know the mental game is. It's huge. There's quite a few games that we had lost this season, and it wasn't our physical ability. It wasn't our talent. It was our mental game. And again, back to what you were saying, part of it had to be experience, um, for sure. We we didn't we weren't in though. A lot of the players haven't been able to be exposed to those situations, you know, to when they're in those high person situations. Okay, how can I cool down? How can I move on to the next point? Um, so those are definitely some things that uh, I've learned even more. I guess reinforce throughout this season. Um, yeah, for sure. Those are kind of the, some of the big keys. Yeah. All right, Eric, what do you got? Uh, Robert really covered the top two for sure. Which was? Uh, we always... What? Which was? Like, what was the top two? Oh, oh like culture. Like, you got to reinforce oh. culture. One, by, yeah. one bad egg can really mess up the whole locker room, the vibe. It, it, it just trickles down on, on everybody. And, and then you said, in the, on the court it's it's not it's not uh productive for anyone so we gotta make sure we stick to our true culture um and then all the we we have to apply pressure to these guys like our, our drills are very like competitive lots of repetition everyone gets lots of reps but like we needed to really drive the pressure because you know everything that was said the the the, the five setter games the the close one back and forth point games and then we ended up not coming out on top so um you know we always talk about being proficient in practice and and efficient so i think one of the takeaways for me this year this year we took i think we took too big of a roster and we talked about this so we're not going to do that again so took yeah. too big of a roster and you know like the even though we gave our starters or the, you know the top 10 guys majority of the touches 
the fact that we had to give them less touches because of these other guys who will actually never see the court. No, it's hard to say, but that's the reality of it, right? Not yeah. everyone sees the court. So like that, that takes away from valuable touches. You know, I mean, even if it's just five or 10 minutes of practice over the span of three practices a week, you know, how, how many hours is that uh, in the season? So I think we're going to go back uh, and next year we're going to have a smaller roster. It's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to give everyone a chance to touch the ball even more. So that was one of my biggest takeaways from the season. Yeah, the size of the ro- the problem with the size of the roster was that we had players on the team that well, this is one thing that I think we're going to do a better job of is if there's a player that cannot compete with our starters, they have no reason to be on the team. And what we we did this year was we were kind of looking at oh, but maybe they could develop into something special, maybe they could do this and there was a lot of maybes, but the reality is that at our level if 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 you can't compete with a starting lineup, then you're not going to be able to develop into something that can be a starter or get playing time because you're going to be so far behind. Unless yeah. there's, unless you're a six eight guy that could jump out the gym, where we're okay. Well, even though you can't compete with the starters, well, we can turn you into a volleyball player. Yeah. Can I uh, add one more thing there? Beats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> is how important offense is. Oh yeah. I mean, I know. You know, we all know offense is important, right? You got to be able to score the ball, but especially to get to the higher level. Defense is going to get you into the position to win games, but offense is what's going to ultimately close out those games. So if we can't, if you are, if we can't figure out a way to score, um, or for example, a couple times a season we had a big block, if we can't figure out how to score on the big block, we're going to lose the game. This point is that that simple, right? So being able to score, um, being able to hit a variety of shots, and to have a high IQ when it comes to attacking as well, really, really important, especially when you get to the, the higher levels um, and trying to close out games. Um, but that, that's huge takeaway. I mean, I knew we, we all knew this already, but it reinforced even further from this season how important offense is. It's crazy. Yeah. You watch, like, in our league, you watched – um. I don't know if you guys watched the St. Clair in Centennial game, and for our crazy game, yeah, who didn't watch? Who don't know about these teams? So these, this this team, they they're completely undersized. Like Centennial, so there's two teams: Centennial and St. Clair. They're two. They're uh, they're two colleges that are in the playoffs, and Centennial was significantly undersized. Like they were shorter, much shorter than St. Clair, but yet they were scoring. They were finding ways to score. Mind you, St. Clair had a really bad game. Like they were, they were not, they were not playing like the St. Clair they've been playing all season with. But having said that, they just found a way to score. And here's a question for you, both of you. So look at Centennial, undersized. They don't hit, they don't jump significantly high. They don't hit well above the tape. Why is a team like that able to find ways to score? Why were they so successful on the offensive end versus us who matchup wise were relatively the same size as them? And yeah. we couldn't find a way to score. They have more experienced guys like that. Leo on the left side, he's, he's been playing the games, Cuban national team, you know, like this guy knows how to score. It doesn't matter how, how big the block is. And I think playing against that competition when he played nationally definitely helped him in that game. Cause these guys are the same height or maybe a little smaller. So, I mean, I think with, with guys who have less experience, they go up there and they just want to bang a ball. Right. 
They're not yeah. thinking thinking about it smart, making the right shots. Leo's going up there, he's swiping off block. He's doing whatever he wants because he's just doing different shots. And like, it, you're not going to bang the ball. It's not, you're not going to be able to, you know, bounce a ball at this level. You got to just score around the block or score off the hands, swipe, recycle. You got to be smart about it. So, I don't know. I, I feel like when I look back at our Cambridge game, when we lost in our, our quarterfinal game or pre quarterfinal, it, our guys just went up there and just swung at the block and they weren't using it. They weren't, it was the same shot every time. They didn't try anything different. And and there was the game, you know. So I think in practice we were we're gonna have to replicate a big block every time and just forcing our guys to figure out a way to score around that. That's what and we're gonna have to work with, you know, maybe maybe the set's gotta be different if we're going up a huge against a huge block. We gotta maybe adjust our set and, and give our guys a chance to work that block. So I don't know, that's something I was thinking about. Yeah. Did you um you know the blocking pads? You know what they actually are? Did I tell you guys this? They're, yeah, they're like they're uh, boxing pads, right? Yeah, boxing. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to Sports Check and buy a bunch of them. They're just they're like they're boxing pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, wild. I didn't. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what they used. To, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what they. Like I remember using that as well thing, yeah. when I was playing. Yeah, well, I'm an idiot. I need to. We're gonna because <laughs> I, I was good. looking for volleyball pads and you can't and they're yeah. like 200 bucks. I'm like, what the hell? Why is there 200 dollar volleyball pads? Why you just buy boxing oh. gloves? Boxing yeah. gloves and they're significantly cheaper than that. Yeah, too. like 30 bucks. Crazy. Anyways, Robert, go ahead. You were going to say something? Uh, So for me, I I think Eric hit it right on the head as well. Um, But one thing to add to that is um, Centennial, not only were they aggressive, but they were smart and aggressive. You know, even if the ball was out of system or maybe they weren't able to get a a clean, you know, two-step full approach onto the ball. They were still swinging and they were trying to aim for those high hands. And one thing that I found that we started doing better, maybe at the points in the season was, you know, we were, we were free balling a lot at, especially in the beginning of the season, that first semester of the season, if the ball, if the set wasn't perfect, you know, we just tipped the ball over. We just volleyed it back over and give them a chance to score. Yeah. Centennial for the most part was being aggressive. They were trying to at the very least put them out of system, if not score on those balls. So yeah. that's one thing that's really big as well. Another learning moment um, from this season is to be aggressive. You know, it's okay. The errors are going to be part of the game. Yeah. Uh, it's going to happen. We want to develop good errors though, or I guess quote unquote good errors, errors yeah. where, yeah, the ball goes out. Sure. But the intention was there, you know, they were trying to be aggressive. They're trying to hit either the, a specific shot or they're trying to hit it specifically off hands. You know, they saw, they, they saw the intention was there, but maybe, that point either they just didn't get it or the skill is not at to that point yet they need a little more reps um, but that's one thing for sure centennial i found was doing very well and gave them a bit of an edge in that game against st Clair. um and that's something that we did at points like i was saying especially in the second semester but we did not do it consistently and centennial was consistent yeah and this is a lesson for anyone out there is like this offense like i say it all the time volleyball is an offensive minded sport it's an offensive game if you have an opportunity to score, you have to swing. You know, I was, I was watching a high school game and it was game point. Team got a free ball and they tipped it over the net. Like you can't, you can't do that. You have to, you have to put the ball away. You have to score. And that was definitely one thing that we did not do. The ball comes over. And even if it's a bad set or we need to, we need to get to the ball and we're not there. Like, it's just, there's no aggressiveness. And I think you, you hit on the point with the mindset, like not to give Centennial too much credit, but those boys, when they play, 
they ball out. Like they have that mindset, like I'm going after it. I'm going after every ball. I'm not, I'm nothing easy. And they, 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 they go out swinging. We unfortunately didn't. You go back and watch that Cameron game. We were free balling it over left, right, and center. We were like roll shotting it in, and then we were just not making great shots at all. It was, and then we got shit slammed every every time we tried to swing. So it was it, it was a combination of experience as well as just not having the right mindset to go after the ball. So yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, did you um, did you guys learn anything about volleyball, like specifically the game? Not take our team aside. Just this year as as a coach, any any volleyball, uh, anything volleyball related you guys learned that's gonna take your coaching to another level? It's a good question. I know. One thing I will say for sure, like I feel like again, maybe I knew this, but it got reinforced this year. Especially it was that time when we were in Ottawa. And we had the opportunity to go and watch the junior national team practice. Yeah. Um, we have to, or the the mindset of having to have challenge and practice to the point where it's not too challenging, but it's not too easy. We got to find that sweet spot where we are taxing them on a nervous system level. Um, and then obviously physically to the point where the skills that they're driving, we're driving into them. Um, they just get better because the challenge is there, you know, making sure that we give them the appropriate amount of challenge so that they can ultimately get better from the drills that we're trying to provide for them. So that's one thing I definitely was trying to implement a bit more, especially during the times when I had, um, uh, or when we, we, we split off into two, di two different groups. We had the middles on one side and then um, the pins on the other side. I, yeah. I tried my best to just make sure, um, that the the reps were high quality reps, but it was a it, the reps were also taxing them to a certain point, um, because we, they need that to to grow. You got to be challenged, and you have to find that sweet spot where you're not successful every single time. <clears throat> if you're doing drills and the players are successful every single time in what they're doing, odds are you need to increase the difficulty of that drill so you can get that actual growth, that learning aspect. So you can see, okay, this is what I was doing wrong here, or this is what I was doing well. This is how I can go forward and make sure that this is a part of my game now. So that's one thing definitely as a coach I, I have taken away from this season. Yeah. You're going to have to come back to me on this one. So I, I, so the big, one of the biggest takeaways for me is I was a little soft this season, and that's on me. Like Eric would, Eric would tell me, yo, he just, Peter just dropped the ball. Like the ball just went in front. He didn't even attempt to go for it or, or Jade did this. And I was like, all right, let me, let me, let me see him get the next one. Like that. And, and, and I know Eric talked about this is that should have been a baseline, like right away. Like we, yeah. we started off the season with a high standard of excellence in our gym where everyone was chasing. Everyone was, there was not one ball. There was no excuses. Like if a ball trickled on the tape, uh, someone's got to get the ball. Like if that could happen in a game. It's just like Tom's was saying that could happen in a game. And we just let it. And we're like onto the next rep. Oh, it's okay. We'll let that one go on to the next rep. That mindset of onto the next rep needs to change. And that, I'll, I'll take responsibility for that one because there was multiple times where you guys would come yeah. and tell me like, yo, this guy, like, look at it. It's, it's dead. And I was like, okay, I, I waited to see how they would respond. Like I gave them ownership, which a part of me says, yeah, I should give them ownership, but not, the amount of ownership that I gave them. I should have blew the whistle, 
get on the baseline, refocus. And again, for listeners, this is not like we're running for the next 15 minutes. This is a refocus, do a quick suicide, come back and, and, and let's refocus to make sure that we're maximizing on every rep. So that was my fault. That, that will, I will definitely change because that, I think we dropped the ball there. Well, I yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were a little too soft and we got, yeah, I would trigger. say collect collectively. I agree. Yeah, we got, I think uh, maybe one thing I learned this season was pulling the trigger sooner on certain certain guys in the game. Yeah, I mean, we gave them too many chances in game to try to figure it out, and, and by then maybe it's too late. By the time we pull the trigger, so I think we got to pull the trigger and trust our our first guy off the bench or second guy off the bench a little bit more this year, uh, and maybe that should be a real big focus in our off season and putting some time and developing them, you know. It's funny you say that because we, as soon as we made that decision, we need to pull the trigger faster. I know, I know we lost against Algonquin, but when we made that switch, we won both of those sets with that Kareem Aiden switch. Yeah, exactly. It happened right away. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know anything yeah, else. That's a good point. Can't think of anything else right now. I guess the, the blocking, um, you know, looking at the player's foot and then um, as well as. I guess we know when the elbows drops, but yeah. it gives you a little bit more of a cue in respects to blocking. And okay, but there's a good chance that he's going to hit this line shot or hit yeah. this cross shot or what have you. So, you know, looking at subtle cues, really, really dialing in on the small things because the small things help later on, you know, improve the bigger, uh, the larger picture of, the, of, of whatever right. you're trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah. We, we really got to make sure we keep that that standard of excellence in our practice next year though. Like just thinking, looking back and reflecting how many things we let go. And when we would all come together and say, wow, this, we need to, we need to do something. And we just, we didn't do it. Well, I didn't do it. And I was like, that's, that is where we saw it happen in the game. And it's funny, yeah. you know, Eric, the, the balls that Eric was like, that could happen in the game. I watched back the Cambrian game and there were balls that we hit the tape and that lib dove on the ground, got it by the attack line, popped it up and they executed an offense out of it. Yeah, for sure. That was that was crazy. That was that was annoying. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Eric, yeah. No. No, I'm good. Um, in terms of uh, so we talked about we talked about what what went well, what didn't go well, uh, what we're gonna do differently next year, what we learned about volleyball. Um, let's. Uh, I want to take you guys back a little bit. If you if you could tell yourself, you know, something when you if you're just starting out coaching. You can go back and tell yourself some stuff. What would it be? Um, I can attest to, especially my first season at Seneca, is to have confidence. You know, be confident in how you interact with the players, how you, um, you know, you develop your drills, how you present the drills. But because for me, when I when we first started there, I was what twenty one. Were you really? Uh, yeah, I was young. Oh, 21, wait, 22. No That's right? crazy. So half of the team was older than I was. So at that point, I felt a little, well, shoot, like, you know, are these guys going to you know respect what I say or, I didn't you know, that. yeah, but, you know, having confidence for sure. That's one big thing, you know, be confident in, you know, what you've put in the amount of knowledge that you went out and you've got in the amount of reps that you put in, you know, the game, be confident in what you know. Um, so that's one thing for sure. Be confident. And then I guess, um, efficiency when practice planning, I feel like that's one big thing that I've learned, especially being under you, just make sure one, one big thing is write down what you're going to do. Yeah. You know, so that not only can 
you can you can reach multiple different learners, especially on your team. You, you at times you can't you know hit everybody, but let's say you have an auditory person, but then you have someone that's more of a visual learner. If they can see it on the board, okay, this is what we're gonna okay. This is what I look for is our okay, cool. I can dial in a little bit better, you know, make sure that I uh, that I take away a, uh, you know good reps today or was today a productive practice, you know, giving them those tangible things that they can see that they're gonna accomplish. You know, I think that's something I would also tell my younger self to try and implement um, as a young coach. Yeah, I think one of the big ones for me is like having a uh, a practice plan and and writing it out on the board. We we didn't do that in the first couple of years. Um, so I would, I would, it all starts at the beginning of practice. You got to outline what the expectation is and, and set these guys up for a successful practice. So right at the beginning of practice, you go over the practice plan on the board instead of just a little quick talk. You know, you can have that quick talk at the board after going over the, uh, the practice plan, um, and just making sure they get multiple and multiple reps. We started developing, developing our, our drills to, maybe give more reps towards our maybe second or third year at Seneca. I remember, you know, after one of the sessions with Spraw, he kind of like opened up my eyes a little bit on how to develop the practice and make it as to the best as it could be. Um, so yeah, I'd go back. Imagine like if we practice how we did now uh, with that, that year we went like what, uh, 16 and three or something like that or 16 and two. So, yeah. I mean, I think we could have been a little bit better if we had, you know, more direct drills to, to maximize on every single rep uh, our top guys got. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, practice planning is huge. It, it changed it changed my perception of the game when I started actually practice planning because I started realizing things that I would have never noticed if I didn't practice plan. And it ended it, the players. And it also tells the players, too, you're, you're, you came prepared, you're, you know, you're structured, you're, you're, you're professional and and I, and yeah. they appreciate that too so that's good um okay uh what um what has there anything like outside of volleyball is there anything that you've seen on tv or you watched or players you look up to or other coaches you look up to that have that have helped you as a coach and if when what is that like what what was it that helped you i think for me we tell i think we tell our athletes this too but but just watching volleyball at the highest level, so going on YouTube and watching or volumetrics and watching all those pro level games, you gotta watch the game from a high level and try to replicate that in your gym. You know, like you gotta have our guys watch that as well to see what greatness is like, and then they go try to replicate certain things in the gym. So being able to watch it at a high level and going to the symposiums and just you know learning from. Uh, coaches at the highest level, expanding your knowledge, knowing the game. I think that that's something. Yeah, Robert. Can you hear me? We yep. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, yeah. We hear you. Sorry. I can't, I can't hear you. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, definitely what Eric just said as well, you know, if you watch the highest level, you get to take a look at it. You, you're you're able to you know pick up small things that um, will be beneficial for you throughout the season. And um, I think one of our players was having trouble this year hitting line, and all they did during the off season or that little break that we had in December, they watched a lot of film about some of the top players hitting that line shot. Right. And as the season started, they were able to hit line. So uh, you know, th there's a long it goes a long way. You know, looking at film, you know, ima um, imagery. Um, those things are really 
powerful. Those tools are really powerful when it comes to sport. Um, but one thing for sure that I've learned, I guess, is wasn't necessarily, I guess, from a coach. It would come from it come from me working in the schools right now, as you know, as a as a young educator. Is at the end of the day, we're here to we want to win. Like there's no question, we want to win. We want to we, we want to win championships. We want to achieve. We want to succeed at a high level. But at the same time, we are developing young men. You know, we are trying to make them better people. We're trying to make them, you know, contributors to society. Um, and it's important that what I like to do is we take that in and we try to take in a holistic approach when it comes to tra- training and practice. You know, I feel like it's important to do mental check-ins and whatnot with your players. You know, once a week it goes a long way. It's important right. to see, have your players eaten? Like, did they eat? Because that goes a long way as well in respects to, you know, maybe that's why their energy is low for today. Um, uh, are they doing a good job of that too? Right. I, I like, try my best to make sure yeah. that, we, you know, because it, yes, we are coaches and we, we only see them for a short period of time. And our goal is to develop them as volleyball players, but as, as an individual, as a human being, ultimately, I believe that's our goal as coaches is to, you know, influence society and make it a better place. Um, so that's what I try to bring in. And that's what I've learned, you know, being in the schools is that, you, we have that impact. We have a huge impact on these on these athletes. I remember sometimes I'll see people that I haven't seen in years. I'm like, yo, Rob, man, good to see you. Right. Like, you don't even know how much you, you influenced me during that time that you were here. I'm like, damn. You know, so take take the time for granted. Don't take the time for granted. Take it with gratitude. And, you know, appreciate what we got going on. And, and those, those, those are things that I, w- I want to try and, you know, influence into practice. You know, take it one day at a time and appreciate each day. Because if we look at it from that frame, I feel like, you know, we can even have a better practice out of that as well. And yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I would say. Um, yeah. That's a huge piece too. Like, I don't know for our listeners, like Robert takes it upon himself to make sure that he reaches out to every player, finds out if they've eaten, find like how they're doing, you know, like the, the, the wellness checks that he does is, is vital because then things are brought to our attention that, we may never have known. Like we, I would have never guessed. And and our athletes do a great job of hiding things. Like case in point, we had an athlete who was dealing with mental health, and he ended up uh, unfortunately not doing too well, and he 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 flew back home, and he wasn't part of the team for the second half of the semester. So you never know. And we had no clue that anything was happening. So you never know without any athletes. So you got to make sure you do those check ins. Like yeah, super important. So let, let me just do a quick recap here. Uh, we we talked about trying to simulate drills in practice to to experience as best as we can a five-set situation or whatever situation you want to recreate in your practice. And one of the ways that we've done that is, you know, uh, that game, we've talked about this game on the pod before, 18-18, or, or rather you start at seven. Yeah, you start at 18-18. Whenever a team gets a 23, they have to close. So they have to finish the game, get two points in a row. If they don't, they get dropped back to 18. Um, and that creates that sense of, you know, urgency to, to finish the game strong, like not lose, not give up that, that lead you have, uh, the mental game is super important. We talked about the fact that it's, it's not enough to just be a great athlete. You got to mentally be there. And I think the more and more we, we get into volleyball and as the years come, you're going to realize that that mental game is going to be even more important to, for athletes to succeed. And we talk about team culture. It just takes one player to, to mess up your team culture. And I have a question about that in a sec. Um, we and we talked about the fact that we need we need to one thing that we need to do is hold that standard of excellence in our gym 
and not let little things slide that could slide in the game. And we're like, well, see, if we do it in practice. We're going to do it in the game. And that's going to start with us. Too big of a roster. Yeah. The, you know, we're probably going to, we're going to cut some red shirt spots that we had this year that we're not going to have anymore. We want to make sure that we are not going to finish a roster unless that 16th player can, can compete for a starting spot. Like we don't want to just have a, like two or three guys on the, on the bench that will, that can, that's not even good to play in it, in a, in a practice game, let alone a real game. If you're not even good to play in a practice game, then you, you should, you can't be in our gym, unfortunately. So that's one thing that we're going to be a little more stern on. And then we talked about how important offense is. You got to be able to score the ball and that we're going to, we put a, we're going to put a high value on that. And you kind of talked about body language too. We started getting this closer to the end about, you know, body language is so important in our gym and in any sport for that matter, but it's so important on the court and body language is contagious. You might've heard me talk about this. Well, we need to make sure that the minute we see bad body language, it's addressed and the team is penalized for bad body language. There, that, That's not to say you can't be frustrated, fine, but you can't be bringing down the team with bad body language or that's not a, that's not a thing we can have in our gym. Um, yeah, you talked about finding the balance for drills. So you never want to have a 100% success rate drill. Yeah, you're never going to improve if you're 100% successful in drill. So you got to find that that balance of not, I think I, I think I, what do I, I think I teach uh, 60% is a good number. A 60% success rate drill is good because you have room to grow. Um, Let's see, confidence, efficiency, and practice plan. Okay, here's a question for you guys. I got a couple more that we're done. So we talk about team culture, right? We talk about the fact that it takes that one player. Here's a real question for you guys and I answer this honestly. If you if we have if we had a team, like if, if there's a team with with a bad culture, but they're they're good. Like they got the talent, they got the skill, they're six, seven, six, eight, guys that could swing and you know, all that stuff. You think it's possible for them to still win? Regardless of that culture? Hmm. Honestly, yeah. Like I think you can win games, but if we're talking about like a championship, I don't, I think that missing aspect of the culture is going to hurt, especially during those final couple, like those, maybe that semifinal, that, that final, not having that aspect of culture. You know, I do think you need it to be a champion, but you will win games like that. You'll definitely win games if you got the talent. Like there's no question there. Will you win a championship? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I think I agree with Robert. We always talk about culture. Imagine I, for I mean, I know we're talking about a championship, but I I'm trying to look back on our guys and if we didn't have culture, I think we'd be even worse. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, like I think to even consider a championship, you gotta have a good team culture. And what what do you guys think makes our team culture so good? I think uh, how much of 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 people, how much of a people person I, we all are. You know, all of us, we know how to talk to our guys. We get close to them. We have, we do t- team dinners at your house, and all the guys come over. We play games. I think all those little things matter. All the wellness checks like that develops good culture. If you show the love and interest towards your your guys they're going to show it back so yeah. i think uh yeah it's a big thing i agree um to add on to that as well eric i think one thing especially that you do well be is at the beginning of the season you outline 
what is expected. This is an expectation. This is not what we're asking for. Right. Like, this is an expectation. If this is not something that you can do, if we see that visibly, then, you know, we're, we're quick to be like, yo, sorry, this, although you're a good player, we, we're not going to have you on this team. So I think right. outlining at the beginning of the season what is expected from everybody is a really good way to make sure that you're you starting off at the, at the right spot, right? But then you also have to make sure that you are, that you don't slip. You know, if you say that this is what you're looking at, this is what your expectations are, you have to keep those expectations consistent throughout the season. Otherwise, I do think, you know, small aspects of bad culture can just start to slowly come in. And once it starts to slowly come in, it's kind of like, you know, like a, if we're looking at a, a dam, one small little hole in the dam, over time, it's going to be massive you know, water that's just going to come out. So, um, you know, outlining at the beginning of the season and then staying consistent with the expectations throughout the season, I think is a really good way to not only instill culture, but maintain culture. Uh, last one. How, how do you guys, um, what would you guys say? Like, what's your advice to coaches to identify a player with bad culture and on the contrary, identify a player with good culture? How do you, how do you find that in a, in a kid? For me, I always look at the little things that they're doing. Are they setting up the net? Are they greeting the the players, the coaches? Are they picking up their team members? Are they, is everything about them? You know, are they a player that's for the team? Are they the player that's, you know, that cares about other people? Like you can see that pretty quickly. I find at least, especially those first couple, like let's say our tryouts. I feel like we can pick up relatively quickly on certain players, but there are times like we've experienced it where, you know, they don't show the true colors until later on. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. where, that's where it gets a bit tricky when you do see that, but you do see that culture that, you know, well, okay, there's a couple instances, this guy, you know, I thought this guy was good. And now they're, I don't know. Now I'm not sure you have, we, I feel like we got to make sure that we are, you got, you're strict. As a coach, you're straight like, yo, I'm noticing these little tendencies in you that you weren't doing before. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Have a conversation. If you see it again, w- one thing that we did uh, over the past couple of years is it was kind of like the, sh- the three strikes rule or the two strikes rule and you're, and you're out or you're, yeah. you're suspended, what have you. I feel like the addition of, you know, having that accountability and, you know, actual repercussions that can occur if you don't you know, demonstrate those uh, values and those uh, the, the qualities of a person that has good culture or that is following the expectations that we've set out. Um, I think that's a good way to make sure that maintain culture and that you establish that culture throughout your, your season. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I have anything else to add on to that. It pretty and, much and, covers, and, covers everything. And we don't, we don't always get it right. Like you could, you could pass, they could pass all the tests, flying colors. And then the first three weeks we realized we made a mistake. I think we got to make sure we deal with it right there. And then though, like they got to go or, or they have to yeah. get penalized or something for them to understand that this is not how we do things. You can't be afraid yeah. to, to, you can't be afraid to give consequences where it's needed. 100%. I know we're yeah. dealing with young men here, mm-hmm. you know, like some of them are fresh out of high school. So yeah. they're going to be bumped on the roads at times, but we, like you just said, we got to make sure that we deal with it right away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, last minute, last thing. Any last piece of advice that you guys want to give um, our listeners? Continue to learn the game and uh, make 
practice competitive. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, love the game. Because, you know, you want to be in it for the right reasons for whatever you're doing. Um, so make sure, make sure you love the game. Fine. Make sure you have that passion for the game and, you know, giving back. Because if you're, I feel as if, if it gets to a point where you're, you know, you're not loving it anymore, it's like, why do it? You know, so make sure you love it. Don't do it just to go through the motions because then your players can, can pick up on that pretty quickly. Right. Just make sure you love the game. Love the game. Have fun with it. Right. All right. Appreciate it, guys. And listeners, um, you might want to listen to this. As a, there's a lot of there's a lot of great takeaways. I have to listen to this twice just in terms of writing some stuff down. We talked about a lot of a lot of takeaways that we have taken away in, in, our, in our season. I think you can definitely implement some of them to yours as well to hopefully have a better season than we did. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for listening, uh, everyone. Uh, we'll see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.